Thank you for downloading this week's episode of PR Week's Coffee Break. For more episodes, visit PRWeek.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Coffee Break. It's Steve Barrett here, the Editorial Director, PR Week. Really delighted to have with me Lou Hoffman, who is President and CEO of the Hoffman Agency. And uh, Lou, you've been doing this 35 years in the Valley. I think you're based around San Jose. Uh, Welcome to Coffee Break. Really looking forward to chatting with you about the uh, tech agency sector. Thank you, Steve. In honor of today's show, you'll be pleased to know I actually had two cups of coffee before coming on with you. Excellent. You'll be bouncing off the walls of that kitchen behind you. <laughs> so that sounds good. Listen, let's, let's take it back to 1987. You, I think you've been working in journalism. You've done a bit of PR and you set up, you set up your own agency. Tell us about the formation of it and what, made, what led you to do that. I'd love to hear the story. Yeah, I suppose the, uh, the the catalyst for setting up the agency was kind of in the spirit of Silicon Valley that we saw a better way. In my previous agency life, um, I had worked at agencies where there was such pressure on billability and being measured by um, billing quotas. And I just felt that was wrong. Not that financial performance shouldn't matter, but I, I felt that the work itself should be the lead pin, not the billable hours. And that was really the catalyst for, for starting, uh, starting the shop. And um, you started up in 87. What, was, what did Silicon Valley look like then? I mean, it's way before the dot-com era. We've we got no social media. We've got no cell phones. We've got, it was a very different time, wasn't it? It was, uh, it was crazy. I mean, I can remember when I, uh, when I first opened up our doors, um, if you can believe this, I, I subscribed to a faxing service. So I didn't even have my own fax. I would uh, drive a mile to this car garage, uh, and, and they actually had a fax that they were running to pick up some incremental money, and I would hand them my document, and they would fax it to uh, the recipient. It's crazy. That's fantastic. <laughs> and now you're a 40 million uh, plus, sorry, you're a 28 million uh, agency, and you're up 40, no, that was where the 40 came from, you were up 40% last year, and uh, like everyone else, well, not like everyone, but everyone did well, but you did particularly well. Talk to us about last year. Was that a year that you unprecedented? Can you remember that sort of growth at any other time, even in the dot-com era? No, no, it was a, it was definitely a record year for, for us, and I, I think it reflects our our propositions um, really starting to get traction. So when we expanded overseas, it was always with the goal um, that there would be a a market for an agency that could bring together North America, Asia Pac, and and Europe with a maniacal focus on technology. And and we saw that really come to bear uh, last year. And we think we're continuing the momentum into this year. Yeah, you said that you you, you expect to grow fifty uh, percent this year in the U.S. and uh, and and good growth else in in global. What's driving it? What sort of work is it? And give us a, an example of that sort of global work and and the U.S. work that's really driving such amazing growth. Yeah, what's uh, what's really driving the growth is we're starting to win business in uh, bigger accounts, and those bigger accounts are a byproduct of being able to support clients against across multiple geographies. So in a lot of cases, it's not like um, the individual country market is a massive 
uh, a budget, but you start to add it together where you're supporting a client in the US, uh, maybe Germany and the UK, maybe it's China, Japan and Korea, and you you have uh, reasonable budgets in all those markets and you knit them together and all of a sudden you've got a, a sizable remit. Um, so that's really the uh, the key driver. I would, I would say the second driver for us is we've moved uh, like a lot of agencies have to a um, an integrated uh, product uh, where we're bringing together not just the traditional PR services, but also uh, own media and and paid media, and we're we're seeing that really start to get some traction as well because what it allows us to do is to solve problems for our clients, as opposed to kind of the traditional PR remit where you're asked to build a public profile uh, for a specific client. Yeah, I guess back in uh, 87, was it mainly media relations? Would that have been the majority of the business back then? Yeah, it was It was all media relations. And I would even take it a step further um, and say so much of that media relations was driven um, by news releases and news announcements. And that's where we've really seen the industry change uh, to today because uh, to a large extent, the, the Internet has commoditized uh, news um, and particularly product news. So it's first, it's forced agencies like ourselves to move into more creative programming and really put an emphasis on thought leadership as the as the tactic that kind of leads uh, most of our campaigns. And how's the media landscape changed in that time? You you mentioned there that you know there's, uh, news is a commodity now. You know, I remember really robust print computer magazines about the like, size of doorstops. We did all very, very well out of that, and they've long gone. But uh, So how's the media landscape changed? Yeah, it, uh, it's, it's changed uh, a, a ton for sure. You know, as, as if, if we kind of go back in time when um, Craigslist came out and it was kind of the start of decimating a, a lot of uh, media properties and we saw a, a lot of media properties not – have the the proper economics to stay in business. Um, there was a lot of talk that you know media relations was going to virtually disappear because there wouldn't be anyone to pitch. Uh, but really, the the opposite has happened. It's just not in the same format as everything being so clearly defined. You know, this is a journalist. This is a PR person. This is an industry analyst. Now, in, in today's world, it's it's much more blurred. And I would argue there's there's a greater pool of people uh, to to pitch and and people that you want to influence and get in your court, but it's not just so crisply defined um, the way it was, you know, 20, 25 years ago. Yeah, I mean, I remember, you know, TechCrunch and Wired was a, was a very desirable place to get covered, wasn't it? And there were loads of other sort of um, tech trades, but have, have they gone away? Are they less important or have they just evolved? Yeah, I, I think it's the latter. You know, to me, they, they've evolved. So it's still a fantastic uh, a, a fantastic win to be able to get into a Wired magazine um, or get into a, a Bloomberg Business Week. Um, but kind of, uh, kind of offsetting that, um, there's also, uh, you know, individuals like, uh, I'll just throw it out because we do a lot of work in the semiconductor sector. Uh, there's a there's a gentleman named Ian Cutrus, um, and he uh, uh, he used to be a, a trade journalist. Now he's gone off on his own. Um, he does some consulting. He's an industry analyst, but he's got a blog that 
that has a considerable traction. And oh, by the way, his YouTube channel gets a, a lot of views. So all of a sudden, someone like that becomes a person that's high on the radar for our semiconductor clients. Yeah, you've got people like that. You've got Substackers. You've got the information yes. launch, didn't it? You've got some other really uh, interesting launches. Actually, I, I think it's a really exciting time for media. Um, I think for, for, for once there's a bit of, bit of money behind it, So, but we'll see how that uh, carries on. Tell us a bit about how the agency landscape's changed and who you bump into when you're going for business. There used to be the Valley was dominated by specialists, you know, and tech specialists, and a lot of the big guys and gals like the Edelmans, Webers, Ketchums, Fleischmans struggled a little bit to to make their way. Do, do, do you bump into them now? Do you think they've improved their offers? And what's what's the agency landscape like? Yeah, I, I, I do think they've improved their offering in the tech sector uh, for sure. So I, I think the the big agencies like uh, like who you mentioned, the Edelmans, um, the Weber Shanwicks, um, the H&Ks, the BCWs of the world are are formidable and uh, and we come up against them uh, a lot, uh, particularly when we're pitching for these uh, multi-country, multi-geographic um, opportunities. And I think for us, our, we have a, a proposition that that really differentiates this idea that we can take a very high-touch approach to these clients, and and we can do it with a a, a single P and L model, uh, where it, it doesn't mean that we don't keep P and L at the regional level and even at the office level, but we don't worship it. You know, the goal is at the global level. So what it does is it allows us to, I think in a, in a lot more elegant and smooth uh, fashion, be able to leverage content and thinking across geographies. So the client is actually getting one true global virtual team as opposed to a lot of silos. Yeah. Now, listen, you, you did a really interesting exercise toward the end of last year where you uh, surveyed your staffers because we all know that talent is the, the biggest issue in the industry at the moment. It's a talent crunch and getting and keeping your people, your best people especially, is crucial in a people-oriented business. And you went through an exercise. Why don't you tell us a bit about that, what drove it and, and what the results were? Yeah, sure. Um you know, there's uh, obviously been a, a lot of talk uh, the, the last year about the great res- resignation, and we hear about a, a lot of turnover um, at in in industry in general, not just agencies. Um, you know, last year we had um, 17% voluntary turnover, which we thought was pretty good. Um, we yeah, believe we're going to get thanks. 25 to 40% we've seen elsewhere. And we think we're going to do uh, better this year. And, you know, to me, um, you know, I think the agencies themselves have to take some accountability for building a, a workplace and a, an employee experience um, that that lands with staff and that resonates with them. And so we've been um, we've been really disciplined in having formal mechanisms and informal mechanisms to get feedback from staff and make sure we're we're adjusting our workplace. So one thing we we did uh, last fall is we went through a, a pretty rigorous employee survey, asking a lot of questions uh, from staff. Uh, and for the most part, it was fairly positive. But the, the one question we asked that did set off the alarm bells was, do you enjoy coming to work? Pretty simple question. Um, and in spite of the positive feedback from the other questions, uh, this one turned out that 33% of our staff did not look forward to coming to work. 
Um, that's not good, right? I think we can both agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and so, when but, you say coming to work, that was done in pandemic. So presumably, you mean not coming to a physical location. You mean <laughs> you know just working the, for the job the organization. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I should add to that that we, we recognize um, that there are other factors that affect a person beyond what's within uh, an agency's control. But still, uh, the feeling was that we needed to, to dig into this and understand uh, what we could be doing better uh, to get people to to look forward to, to coming to work. And as we dug into it, it turned out that this, this feeling largely sat uh, with our younger staff, uh, our account coordinators, our AEs, our SAEs. And as we explored it, what we discovered was that working on four and in some cases five accounts was just too much. It was causing anxiety. It was causing a lot of stress. And so even though it was fairly painful uh, for us to go through a restructuring and to be transparent, there was a, you know, there was an economic cost to doing it. Uh, We still did it. Um, And we now have restructured things where those folks are working on um, three accounts at the most. Um, and the the payoff of that is we do a quick uh, pulse check uh, with our staff uh, in the in the springtime. And we did that last month. And we asked the same question, do you look forward to coming to work? And that um, that number now is at 93%. Um, so it's, it's great to get that feedback and to understand that uh, what we did actually had the, the the desired outcome that we wanted. Yeah, that's a very <laughs> valuable lesson, isn't it? And uh, really, really valuable in this day and age. Just to finish up, Lou, sure. um, I think you're, you're officially sort of going back to the office, as, as they say, in mid-June. Talk us through how you've approached that and what you expect when that happens. Yeah, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're super excited about it. I, I know there's been some agencies that have gone uh, – fully virtual and they think that's right for them. And, you know, that, that is their call. I'm obviously not going to tell other agencies how to run their business. We think it's important to have an office um, that kind of anchors us. And so we're going to go back in a hybrid model, um, two days in the office, three days out, but with maximum flexibility. So if someone wants to miss that commute, morning commute and come in at 930, 10 o'clock, that's fine. Miss that afternoon commute, take off at 3, 3, 3.30, that's fine. Um, even if someone feels like, you know what, that doesn't work for me, I'm going to come in just one day a week, that's fine. Um, you know, our, our view is that we're, like everyone else, inventing this as we go along. And so it's in our best interest to be super flexible. And then, you know, two, three months down the road as we get into, you know, September, October, we'll see how things are going and make the adjustments that we need to make. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see the next Pulse survey. And um, But things are going well by the sounds of it, Lou. After uh, 35 years, you're still going strong. So it's been great to chat to you and uh, catch up and find out about the agency and uh, the history, but the, the impressive future ahead of you. So thanks for joining Coffee Break. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Steve. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Coffee Break. For more episodes, visit PRWeek.com.